following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Welcome everyone to episode 22, I think, of the uh, of the Fezcast. As we've said on the last few, they're all blending into each other, but we are um, currently the number one rugby podcast in Taiwan, so uh, top stuff really. It's uh, it's Matt and Barry here with you this week. Barry, how you doing, mate? You alright? Yeah, not bad, not bad, thanks. Uh, plodding on through January, it never seems to end, does it? <laughs> No, but uh, obviously you are having the most difficult January of all of us, given that you've decided to uh, to go dry for January. Yeah, well, confession time. I I fell off the wagon on Saturday, but that oh. was that, that 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 was a planned event. So um, I'm back on it now until until the Six Nations starts. That'll be my next drink. Yeah, I must have. I've, I've never bothered with dry January purely because my birthday is about three days for, before the end of it, so it's never going to happen. But yeah, hey ho. But yeah, we've got plenty to talk about this week, haven't we? There's uh, there's a lot of things going on on the pitch, off the pitch, around the pitch. So yeah, uh, yeah. But I think yeah, we should start with some of the uh, some of the wider news from um, from around the Saracens family because there's a few uh, a few people that have uh, moved on to various different places from from other clubs. But we'll start with um, with Mo Botha, who was uh, a guest on the Fezcast. Um, right at the start of the season, actually, he's uh, he's left our friends at Amptill and he's uh, he's joining the Belgium setup. Yeah, terrific opportunity for him. Uh, working for Mike Ford, I believe, over there. Who's uh, is he taking over as head coach or director of rugby or whatever they wh- whatever they call it in in their setup? But uh, he's Mike Ford's worked previously with Germany, I think, as well, isn't he? If I remember correctly, so uh, plenty of international experience and a, and a great chance for Mo to to cut his teeth at that level and uh it, we we wish him all the best for it absolutely yeah i mean i'm sure there's some of our listeners that go in belgium do they even play rugby but i mean they're sort of one of those uh one of those nations that do sort of bubble under in that in that second tier in europe don't they and um, by all accounts there's 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 some good things happening so it'd be interesting to see what sort of progress they make over the course of uh of mo's time time with them and and mike ford's as well so yeah we definitely um Wish all the best to to my brother and um, and Tom Whiteley as well, who's uh, formerly of this this parish. Um, we obviously let him go at Scrum Half a couple of years ago, and um, and he moved on to to Bristol. But he's got another move again into uh, into Leicester's side. Yeah, um, a, a great move for him. Um, obviously, he gets to to work again with Wiggy, so um, w- Wiggy must obviously knows him and has, has seen something there and something that he feels he can work with. Uh, the only downside to that is it means that Wiggy is definitely not coming back onto the pitch, which is a <laughs> a, a, a tremendous shame. Although, um, I mean, he, he's he's uh, <laughs> he, nearly as old as me these days, but uh, he, he's he's been a great servant to to the game over the years and a, and a great player. Um, and obviously, we we wish him the, the the best in his his coaching career. But it's it's a shame that he's had to hang up the boots, and it's a shame that it's not been on his own terms as it were but yeah a, a great chance for great chance for tom to uh, to work and i mean if if you're going to be a professional rugby player leicester is probably one of the clubs you want to put on your cv you think so yeah and um you know tom tom's someone that i think when he when he left us i don't know that any of us were too surprised necessarily he was sort of slowly working his way into the squad but um, I'd probably say chalk and cheese, actually. Richard Wigglesworth and Tom Whiteley, they're two very, very different scrum halves. And Wigglesworth, very solid, very reliable, box-kicking scrum half. And, and Tom Whiteley, prone to the odd brain fart, I think, but also mm. moments of genius. Um, and, and, you know, could, could spot a gap as well as any decent nine in the, uh, in the league. So... Um, you know, someone needs to get the best out of him, and he could be a very, very good scrum half. And um, and maybe Wiggy's the man to do it because, like I say, he's worked with him before, so he's obviously seen something. And yeah, we'll see what happens, won't we? Yeah, he 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 couldn't have a better better teacher than uh, than Richard Wigglesworth. So uh, all all the, all the best to him, except when we play him in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
absolutely. And uh, on to our current players. Um, we'll start with one in the women's side. Um, a bit of important news, really, and I think something that's very good for, um, again, for the development of, of women's rugby. The, um, there's an independent players' union that's, uh, that's been set up by, uh, by Nolly Waterman, I believe, and I think um, actually Polly Barnes might have a, have a hand in it, unless I'm getting confused with other bits. But um, I think that might be something else. But, yeah, the, uh, the independent union, the R- RPA, has uh, existed for a long time, but now there is a specific women's um, players' association with a representative from each team. Um, outside of Saracens, the likes of Bryony Cleal and um, Ellie Lennon, who have previously played for us, are involved. But it's um, Mika Evans, who's um, not long in our side, actually. He's representing Saracens as a fairly young and, and inexperienced player. Has um, obviously got quite a lot of responsibility now, but pretty important to have this union in place, really, isn't it, Barry? Yeah, definitely. Um, although, although we'll come on to other matters in in part two, I think it, you, <laughs> you, you can see what happens when administrators make decisions without reference to players that that vastly affect players, and and it is important that they have representation at the in the decision making process, and this can only help. And I presume that um, Mika has been elected by a by a fellow players. I mean, I, I guess that's the, the way this works, as it were. If you're a sort of shop steward within the union, you must be elected. It can't be picking the names out of a hat. So um, I'm sure that she's got the, uh, the, the the confidence to go on and do it and, and clearly got the backing of the rest of the squad. I think that is indeed how it's uh, how it's happened. So yeah, good for uh, good for her to have the backing. And yeah, like you say, very important for the players to have an official voice as well as a social media voice. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but the uh, the other story we've got that's the one that's probably rumbling on and has rumbled on for a long time that we've discussed already um, is Billy Vunapola. Obviously, the news that that um, Tom Willis has come in made us all think that maybe his uh, his days at Saracens were numbered and there's always always been articles about him moving on but one that's got a little bit more specifics in it actually is, is one um, from I hate to read the mail online but they did have an article about Saracens um, Billy Vunapola potentially um, looking at a move to Tokyo Sungoliath in, in Japan obviously um, it would be a pretty decent payday there they have got a vacancy at number 8 with a player leaving um, next season and a certain Eddie Jones is also an advisor for that team so quite a few links there but apparently Billy does still have a contract with Saracens for next season but there is every chance that it could be uh, that he could be let go if the deal is right which I don't know we've discussed it before it could be um, you know it could be reasonable couldn't it Barry? Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean from from Billy's point of view or from any player's point of view the, the, the chance to grab that top up of the pension part has, has got to be a, a a big lure, especially with, with Japan and the and the continuing salary cap woes that we have in this country. Um I mean we've seen the 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 mass exodus of players from other clubs and uh it's still continuing now with with um Freddie Burns off to uh off to New Zealand, we believe. Um well it's pretty much confirmed actually. Um so yeah players will continue to move and and you wouldn't uh, Billy owes us nothing. Um, he's been a great servant to the club. It, I'm assuming that when he goes, his brother will go with him. Um, so it will be a double blow for us if it does happen. Um, but you can't you, you can't hold anything against them looking to top up that uh, that pension fund. And uh, if he goes, he'll obviously go with our with our best wishes. And we have got, as you say, we have got one heck of a replacement uh, potentially. <laughs> um, lined up already in in Tom Willis and and what a player I mean I was watching him at the weekend and uh oof, he is in some fine form absolutely yeah I mean I, I definitely agree with you Billy owes us absolutely nothing and and Tom Willis you know he's not going to be Billy Vunipoli or be his own man but I think um it could potentially be another another good piece of recruitment by Saracens and I must admit, I'm not I'm not sure that Mako will um disappear off if if Billy does I think they've got slightly different ties at home potentially um, which might mean that one goes one way, one goes another. But, you know, it's silly season. This is going to go on for weeks, months, and it will continue every single season. And we'll, we'll keep talking about it. Won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it gives us something to fill the podcast minutes with, if nothing else. 
This isn't filler, Barry. This is, uh, <laughs> this is this is proper stuff. And we haven't done a proper news roundup for a while, actually. So it is nice just to uh, just to run through things. But yeah, we should probably talk about a few things on the pitch, shouldn't we? We'll start with um, we'll start with the women's team because they've got back to winning ways, haven't they? A good ten try victory over over Worcester, which uh, I think is pretty timely, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they would have taken any sort of win after the, the recent results that they've had. Um, but yeah, it was important to get a, get a win. And then it was, despite the scoreline looking a little bit one-sided, um, it was actually quite a competitive game. Um, it, it wasn't until the end that we sort of ran away ran away with it and ran up the score a little bit. Um, Worcester were, were well in it for a good portion of the game and, and we had to play some some pretty good rugby to, uh, to overcome them. I mean... Uh, you probably got got a few names down as well, but I mean, I was exceptionally impressed with uh, Sydney Gregson at uh, at thirteen. Great direct and threatening running um, from the from the outside centre, and some some great. I mean, Zoe Harrison, what a player, and, and and what a pair of boots on her as well. I mean, kicked everything superbly, apart from two conversions that she missed, one of which hit the post. But uh, it's great kicking from hand, great kicking from. Uh, uh, off off the tee and and some superb play all round. Absolutely, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Zoe Harrison. I, I mean, I don't think it would be particularly offensive for me to say that the the conversion rate in the women's game is well behind the men's still, mm. although it's creeping up quite quickly. But Zoe Harrison is up there with the best of them in the men's game, let alone the women's game. Um, so yeah, she's absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah, I was I was impressed by pretty much everyone, to be honest. Um, although the, there was definitely facets of the game that I think we were we were still struggling a little bit with, which which says a lot that we still managed to uh, to score ten tries. But you know, May Campbell and, and Kelsey Clifford both having a, a milestone day, they could easily have sort of felt the pressure of that and and played within themselves a bit. But Kelsey scored a try within two minutes or whatever it was, and, and May Campbell just did what May Campbell does really, and ever reliable. Uh, Ever reliable diminutive hooker, as the uh, as the Saracens email called her, which seems a bit like <laughs> junk, junk mail to me. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, she she scores tries for fun, but it was it was great to see Jess Breach um, out there as well, scoring a couple. And and her second try was a was a lovely finish off a great crossfield kick from from Holly Aitchison that was uh, deserved a wider audience than it probably got on the. Not on the day and on YouTube. If you've uh, if you've got five minutes, folks, go and go and find it. It's well worth watching. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen seen plenty, certainly from Jess Breach um, over the years in a in a different coloured shirt. But yeah, Holly Aitchison, um definitely a great playmaker at, uh, at inside centre as well. And yeah, I mean, the highlight reel for for Jess, I'm sure, is going to get longer and longer as she uh, as she integrates into the Saracen squad. But yeah, my my player of the match, and I think it was it was Donna Rose's player of the match um on commentary as well was uh, was actually Louise McMillan in the in the second row who was um busy bustling, I think was the uh was the phrase used and and scored a try which I love seeing second rows break the line because it is just like a loose giraffe just running down the pitch. <laughs> and, you know, she's um I, I think so far my my signing of the season potentially look look very very lively and um, and very athletic and strong as well. Yeah, uh, we we were pretty good through the forwards and you'd expect that of a of a side that includes uh, Poppy Cleal and um Marley Packer, you know, you you would expect nothing less, really. And we we were we were good in the forwards, and when we released the backs, so that they they look good as well. I've got to say a special mention though for uh, Worcester Warriors Paige uh, Farries, who yes. was absolutely superb. Her second her second try. I mean, how an, uh, never let a rugby ball bounce, and 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 the bounce clearly confused the uh, the, the heck out of the fullback. But um, what a great finish! Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean. I... <laughs> For all week, we're talking about Saracen scoring ten tries. Worcester still got twenty odd points on the board, and and a lot was mm. to do with Paige Farries. Yeah, a brilliant turn of pace and and athleticism. Um, so I think you know, for, from from a Saracen's point of view, that is you know there's there's defensive frailties to work on. Um, but yeah, take nothing away from from the Worcester winger there. She was she was absolutely outstanding. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, both sides will be disappointed with their work at the restarts because it seemed yeah. that every time someone scored, the uh, <laughs> the team receiving the the restart then made a complete hash of it and let the other side back in with some points or back in with with some field position. So, plenty to work on, despite the the result. But but the result was obviously key after the uh, the recent 
defeats that we've had. And um, on to, is it Bristol away next? I think uh, that will be yeah. um, that 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 will be an interesting game because uh, f- from what I know, Bristol have been in quite good form as well. So it's a very competitive league this season. It's not, um, and, and that's only good for the for the league and for the sport. You know, it, it's not someone galloping away with it. I mean, I know. Um, Gloucester Hartbury are up there, but um, and unbeaten, I think, this season. But it's it's competitive, and and that can only be good for the game. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't want to see teams running away with it all the time, as as Saracens did for a, for a few years. But you mm. know, if if a new team well, like Gloucester Hartbury does does have that run, then you can can only say fair enough. It might be a different team next year. Um, but yeah, I think that that game against Bristol, I've, I've got a feeling we're sort of sitting in fourth, um, and Bristol level on points with us in fifth. Um, so it could be that whichever one of those team teams loses, having sort of found a little bit of form, then drops away a little bit again from the uh, from the playoff race, and the other one sort of is, is pushing up towards towards third, second as well. So you know, there's a there's a lot to uh, a lot to ride on that, and yeah, going going away to Bristol for. For any team is is going to be tough. Men's or women's, really, it's um, it's always a a tough place to go down there. So yeah, lots yeah of uh, they're they're always competitive at, at, at whatever they do. I mean, I know obviously their 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 men's team has, has struggled a little bit this season, and you you kind of wonder if there's something going on there that that we're not aware of. But um, yeah, they they're always competitive. They're they're never going to be an easy game. Absolutely not. Well. We've uh, we've managed to cover that pretty well, I think. But strap in, everyone, because when we come back in a second, we're going to be talking about the laws of rugby. So grab a coffee, stay awake. You are listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that, every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Welcome back, everyone. Um, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, there's a there's pretty big ructions coming in the in the world of rugby and the laws in the community game but before we we discuss that we're going to talk about a couple of um, a couple of the highlights from the european rugby over the course of the weekend because it, it has been notable actually that a lot of uh, rugby social media has has been putting out more highlight reels than in in previous seasons which is good to see because it's bringing it rugby into the public eye a little bit so Two that really caught both uh, Barry and Mizer. We'll, we'll start with uh, with with Ty Burns. Sort of, um, well, it was cheeky, really, wasn't it, Barry? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was incredibly quick thinking to to get himself out of trouble. Um, it was a smart piece of of um, sympathetic refereeing to to just let the game go, which was great. Um, but he did use his hands in the ruck. He was off his feet, and he he, he could have given away about four penalties at, in the process of doing it. But no, it's, it was great to see. And um, it, as I say, well done to the referee for just saying thank you and and letting the game flow, which is what we really want. Because he could have just said, "Oh, you're using your hands in the ruck. You know, you you're in you you're not rolling away. You're you know." There was a million things he could have penalised, but it was great that he didn't and just let the game go. Exactly. I mean, I think that's a that's a perfect example of a referee using common sense. Really. I mean, if you've not seen it, everyone, so Tyburn has uh, has got involved in a in a tackle that could potentially turn into a maul. It hasn't. He's flopped over the top of over the top of the ruck, and he's completely obscuring play, um, and will very easily be pinged for both not not rolling away and going over the top of a ruck. Um, but instead, he manages to pick the ball out from the middle of it. And play it back to the opposition nine, so the game can continue. Now, yeah, as Barry said, he's he's given away a few penalties just just by touching the ball in the ruck and and delivering it on. But yeah, I think good common sense refereeing to sort of spot that he's 
done his best to allow the game to play, knowing that he's infringing. And um, I don't think there was any complaints really from from the attacking side. Um, no, well, there yeah. shouldn't be. I mean, it was perfect presentation. That you know, the, the ball was there for the nine to pick up and play. That was a pretty quick ball as well, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. But yeah, the uh, the second one as well, which was um, as as we discussed off air from between myself and Barry, all the better for being against Harlequins. But um, Eben Estebeth, um, knowing the law book, um, and uh, in a caterpillar ruck. That's nice and slow and boring. He's noticed that someone hitting the ruck has, uh, has dislodged Joe Marler from the back of it, meaning that the ball under his legs is suddenly in play. And Estebeth has grabbed it. And as I said earlier, second row, running like a giraffe, through everyone and, and to the try line and scoring. It's um, really fun, really. Actually, Barry, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's completely right. When you look at it, Joe Marler's just leaning on the guy in front of him. He's not bounding at the shoulder, so therefore he's not part of the ruck. And then to make it even more live, Danny Kerr goes and picks it up and moves it moves it back and takes his hands off of it. So I've, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the fact that he, he picked it up, brought it back and then took his hands away from it meant it was out anyway, irrespective of Joe Marler. But... Um, yeah, you know, a, a bit of a bit of a faux pas by Mr. Marler and and Danny Kerr left there looking at the looking at the ball and the referee as as Etzebeth scoots off towards the try line. It's uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, we we always complain about the technicalities of the very very long rugby law book, but actually, when players know it and exploit it and take advantage of it, then uh, it can it can generate highlights like that, which is brilliant. But we obviously do need to talk about the um, the massive news out of um, the RFU's vault of secrecy. Um, in the I wonder where that was going for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> out of the RFU's backside, by the sounds of it, as well. That yeah, the um, the community game as of next season is um, is moving to um, tackling below the waist, um, based, I'm sure, on some logic that we're not actually aware of yet. Um, and it's caused huge ructions, um, both from, from players and coaches within the community game, within the youth game, and from professional players themselves. Um, I mean, I can see why, um, we could talk about it for hours, why they're trying to um, potentially get ahead of the game a little bit in some ways by by announcing such a move. But it's um, it's pretty shocking, really, isn't it, Barry? Yeah, it seems to have. Um, I, I don't think there was any consultation on it. Uh, it certainly doesn't sound like there was. Um, it seems to be. A, let's be generous. Let's say it's a well intentioned, but possibly not very well thought out um, suggestion. And it's. It, I, I've not heard anyone say a good word about it who's, who's actually involved in the game. Um, I can see it leading to more issues for tacklers um and all it will do is move the head injury from the bloke carrying the ball onto the the, the one trying to bring him down and it i I'd, I'd be uncomfortable with two games anyway but or two sets of rules anyway but that's kind of what we're going to get you know when when charlie reynolds west goes and plays for for harpenden at level five i think it is um he can't tackle above the waist and yet he's going to come back to saracens and all of a sudden be expected to tackle you know underneath it and it just seems so strange why couldn't they have gone for something like the armpits or somewhere around that kind of level um yeah great we need to reduce uh head-on-head collisions and, and we'll come on to those in a bit i'm sure but um i i don't know i can't work out the logic behind it they say it's data driven but you know i think that's probably just um I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm sure there'll have to be some sort of further clarification or, or further thought about it. I mean, th- th- there's a line in here where it says that they will be encouraging ball carriers to follow the principle of evasion. I mean, what are they going to do? Dangle a cream cake at them or something? I, <laughs> what is what is encouragement for a ball carrier to follow the, the principle of evasion? I mean, daft. And it just changes the nature of the game so much at, at that level that I can't see how it's going to work. I genuinely can't. Yeah, I'm, I must admit, I'm struggling with it as well. And, and it says a lot when um, you know the progressive rugby organisation who are 
front and centre whenever there's any kind of head contact in rugby. They're quite rightly um, all over it, really. Um, even they have turned round and gone, whoa, this is um, a fairly... Uh, I don't want to use the word reactionary. I don't want to use the word extreme, but but they were quite shocked at um, at how quickly um, the RFU's made this move and how big a move it is. Um, it is the trial um, in the championship has been has been quoted as as part of of what they've been speaking about. Now that that trial, a lot of people are saying oh, it, le- it just led to more concussions for for tacklers um, with knees to the head and feet to the head and, and hips to the head and all sorts. There are some flaws in that in that study. I have I have looked at it before. I'm not going to sit here and go through everything because I'm going to make a mistake. But yes, there were some more concussions, but it, it's not the full. It's simple story just to say that. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm certainly with you, Barry. I'm I'm not in favour of um, of having effectively two different sets of rules for for the same game. I understand you know there being an evolution in the game from youth rugby to community rugby to professional rugby there has to be some differences in in how the game's played but um i mean one of the things that they've talked about as well is 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 that it's a move designed to have the game flowing and and less kick tennis and and but that the kick tennis side of things is is a professional problem if if anyone from the RFU has actually watched the amateur game that really doesn't happen it is more about free flowing rugby already is it not yeah, I mean, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. If anyone from the RFU has actually seen community rugby, because I don't think many of them have. Um, I go and watch my my local side when when I can, when Saracens and, and work life and other commitments allow. Um, and you don't see that. You you might see a couple of a couple of kicks, maybe three at the at the most, and then eventually someone well, <laughs> pretty quickly someone will, will hoof it out on the full or. or skew it off to the side or whatever it just doesn't happen to the level that it does in the um in in the professional game because they're simply at the end of the day the, the kickers aren't good enough or or don't have the, the the big boots to do it um it just seems strange and i mean it's going to change so much how are we going to have them all probably not are we <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not. No. so what do we do with line outs yeah uh... <laughs> It's <laughs> for us to come up with the answers right now. I think absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm I'm struggling with uh, with with what's going, but there's going to be so much more to come on this, and and so I think there's no doubt we're going to be discussing it on future shows as well, won't we? I'm, I'm sure Jez will have something to say about it. Uh, yes, I think we're lucky that he's not here. Otherwise, this show would be two and a half hours long, wouldn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> but as it's just the two of us, we'll probably move on because actually we we're going to be discussing almost the other side of the coin, really, with a couple of incidents from. Uh, from the Edinburgh game and obviously going through the game itself. So we'll be back in a second. Hi guys, I'm Alex Leanton and I'm a proud Loose Heads ambassador. I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads ambassador. We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. You can find us at Looseheads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk. The Looseheads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the pod. This is the Fezcast. Welcome back to the final part of this week's show. Um, we're obviously going to discuss the big game from the weekend for the men against Edinburgh, which was a loss, but not quite a loss, but sort of a win, but maybe. I think that's about the sum of it, isn't it, Barry? I, yeah. Um, I, we, we did well We did well to only lose by, uh, by, by six in the end, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it could have gone either way and it was a Another one of those bizarre endings, actually. Um, Edinburgh needed another score to to get the home game, get the home game in the round of sixteen, and promptly hoofed it out from a. I mean, they were going backwards; they were under pressure. But even if they'd been turned over and lost the ball, and we'd gone in and scored uh, a try and converted it, they would still have gone through anyway and got an away tie. So I really don't 
quite get what they were what they were going on, what what they were thinking of there. Having said that, of course, you can't expect rugby players to stand there and work out in the middle of a game exactly how many points they need and what points difference and what the what the criteria is for separating clubs that have uh, finished on level points and uh, and and level points difference as well. So, yeah, I, strange old game. We didn't play very well um, until the end. I mean, we scored a cracking try. Ben Earl's try, I was watching it again earlier, was, was superb because he starts off inside um, Irani Maui and, and realises where the space is and actually gets himself on the in the right position. And, you know, top play from a forward, that, that would have been... You'd have been impressed if a, if a back had seen that because he could have just put his head down and charged and stayed inside and expected the ball to come back in. But he, he got outside him where the space was and and cantered him for a, a, a super try. But um, that was probably about the highlight from outside, really, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. I mean, definitely shout to Irani Maui, actually, because he would have got on a plane or whatever up to Edinburgh, not expecting to actually even be in the 23. So um, to have to come on... Um, relatively early, I guess, in in prop terms, mm. um, and perform as well as he did, having not expected to be performing at all. Yeah, fair fair play to him. I mean, go back to well, I say go back to Edinburgh kicking the ball. Like, we'll talk about the uh, the final moments of the game first because that's what we do. Um, yeah, it, you can sort of forgive um, if they'd have kicked the ball out if there were a few games going on at the same time and they just sort of knew they needed to to secure a win and and get a uh, any kind of knockout fixture but obviously every other game had finished by the time ours had kicked off so you would think that everyone knew exactly what the permutations were um and it seemed actually in the post match interview with Mike Blair that everyone did know what they were but he was quite happy with um with what the team decided to do now I haven't looked in great detail because, to be honest, I can't be bothered at what would have happened had we gone up the other end and scored another try and Edinburgh had lost. Presumably a slightly more difficult away fixture for them in their eyes, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, I I think they'd have finished sixth instead of fifth. So it was literally one place and, and yeah, it would have been a different different opposition. Uh, I don't know who it is, who who they would have played, but... um, yeah, it does seem strange. They might as well have have had a go and and lost trying rather than than not. And I suppose for the the post match interview, he's not really going to stand there and slag his players off for making the wrong decision, <laughs> is he? So uh, perhaps he said something slightly different in the changing room. Potentially, yeah. But you know, bigger picture though, Edinburgh beating Saracens, you could see what it meant to them. So maybe actually that's given them a bit of momentum for uh, for the next few weeks for them anyway. Um, and at the end of the day, they they did deserve to win, didn't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. I as as I've already said, we did well to only lose by by that few points. You know, um, we were never really in that game, other than the fact that we defended um, stoically. I think is the word, um, and we just refused to to be trampled on as as it looked like we were going to be. I mean, there's 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 contentious things with their second try. I mean, I've, I've watched it and watched it again and I can't work out how it's not obstruction. But there we go. Um, these things sometimes don't get given. Um, they had a try chalked off in the first half that the referee gave. I mean, <laughs> he dropped the ball before he got to the line and the referee was looking at it. I mean, I'm not quite sure what he, what he saw or didn't see, but there we go. Fortunately, the, the, the TMO picked that one up. Um, yeah, it was uh, not our best performance by a long shot. <laughs> no, no. I was I was uh, was chatting to a friend of mine throughout the game who uh, who is an Ed- Edinburgh Edinburgh born and bred, um, and we we both actually commented on the fact that the referee was um, was picking up on some some very sort of technical free kick offences over the course of the game, but also missing probably 20 or 30 penalties that he could have given for either side. So, yeah, it was a very strange, strangely refereed game. He was, he was being very picky in some situations, but but letting the game carry on in others. So, I, yeah, there's some... Um, there's definitely some uh, some social media, certainly from the from the Saracens side of things, who think we've been, uh, we've been hard done by by the referee. But I think Edinburgh would have... Um, Exactly the same thing to say, really. It's just one of those games where I'm not sure the referee had a, had, had his best performance. And oh, we'll talk in a second about who actually came off worse out of those when we go through all of the incidents. But 
Yeah. What do you reckon, Barry? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those games, and I've seen lots of these over the years, and you come off and you think the referees had a, had a not had one of his best performances, let's, let's put it that way. But he's not actually decided the outcome of the game at the end of the, at the end of the day. And and much as I was jumping up and down at, at um, Edinburgh's second try being given, um, I don't think he cost us that game. Uh, I just don't think we played well enough to beat them. No, I yeah, I definitely think you're right. To be honest, I mean you had the um, well, look, the that Edinburgh try. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that could have been chalked off. So that's um, that's five points we lost there. And I I also think that maybe we were unlucky not to get a penalty try when uh, when Sam Skinner was yellow carded for bringing them all down. So there's potentially a, a ten point swing there, um, which does add quite a lot. Um, we definitely. In fact, um, I think the commentary team were talking to uh, to Dan Vickers at the time of us getting a penalty and taking three points. And even Dan Vickers himself said that Alex Lewington was about a mile offside um, and the penalty shouldn't have been given. So we earned three there. So uh, we're on a seven-point swing at the moment. But yeah, I mean, what do you think of the penalty try potential, actually, Barry? Um it could have been given. I suspect it was one of those. I mean, I, I'm not sure how it finished up, but at one point we were miles in front on the penalty count. Um, we'd been penalised left, right and centre. And I suspect had they had a higher number of penalties, had Edinburgh had a higher number of penalties at that point in the game, then it, it might have gone against them. Um, but he's probably looked at that and gone, well, OK, it's the same failure. It's the same offence twice in, in quick succession you were probably going to get either a penalty try or a yellow card. You probably weren't going to get both. You'd have to be exceptionally um, convinced of it. Or you'd literally have to pull it over on the line or whatever to to have that happen. So probably the right decision. I don't like really like to see penalty tries unless they're, unless they're blatant because I'd rather teams actually scored tries rather than the referee <laughs> just trotted over and stood under the crossbar and, and blew his whistle. But it could have been given it couldn't have been given uh, another day another referee it probably would have been but there we go you, you you have to deal with it at the time yeah and to be honest i do think you're right you know we we conceded a million and one penalties so so for uh, for us to get a massive bonus out of one of the very few that edinburgh actually conceded would have uh, possibly been a bit over the top so yeah we we're, we're probably about even there but you know we have to rewind back towards the start of the game um, we've talked about players tackling lower and lower and lower under uh, under the rules and, and two players that, well, they didn't really make any effort to tackle low at all. Um, Jamie George and Marco Riccioni, who both came off worse from their attempted tackles, um, both received a yellow card for head-on-head collisions. I mean, let's, let's talk about Marco's one first because there's obviously more to discuss with Jamie George, but um, I think Marco's was actually the worst of the two personally um and i think on any other day it could have been a red card i think the fact that he was a bit more passive um and the fact that he came off worse and there was obviously a bit of aggression from the attacker as well meant that it was Mm -hmm. uh, down to a yellow card but it's a pretty tricky one i think isn't it barry it is um and obviously we, we we don't like to see players uh potentially could cast and and having to go off because of hios and and we do want to see both the, the the ball carrier and the tackle are better protected. Um, but having said that, I've never understood why the ball carrier gets a, a free hit in this, <laughs> literally a free hit, um, because on, on both occasions, I mean, neither Marco nor nor Jamie could reach the head of the player that they were they were tackling if they just stood there. Um, and it's definitely a, a, a lowering of height and, a, and an aggressive leading. I mean, if you, the the Marco Ricci only one, if if you look at it very closely, the uh, the Edinburgh ball carrier actually leads with his head. That is the furthest part of him forward, and and he's dipping into it as well. And it, it's it, it's not. It, it, I don't even think Marco Ricci only actually really tries that hard to tackle him. I think he just got kind of. It's almost as if he gets run into. To be quite honest with you, um, and yeah, the the way the laws are done, you you get a free pass if you've got the ball and that doesn't quite seem right to me. Um, but probably in the, in the context of the game that those were two decisions the referee probably got right. I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I think it's, um, I think it's really tricky actually um, how you judge the ball carrier because yes, a hundred percent, you know, they, they shouldn't just have a completely free pass and they shouldn't be able to, you know, smash people out of the way with their forearm or their shoulder or their head. 
quite why anyone would leave with their head who's got any sense. I have no idea. But there's also a part of me that goes, well, the player's carrying the ball and they know they're going into contact. They're going to brace in some way. Mm. Um, and it, I, I can't think of a way that they're not going to be leading with either arm, shoulder or head in that situation. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really, really tricky. Um, but then you get into the very subjective area of judging the aggression of the attacker and whether they've deliberately taken that contact and aimed to smash their way through with a shoulder or with with their head, or whether it is just that natural, you know you're running into something, a pretty heavy object, so you're protecting yourself. I don't really know where, where we stand on that. I think... Ugh. Yeah, a lot of people. It depends on what colour shirt you're wearing in the stands, I think, really, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we said before, but certainly I've said before, that I, I watch these things with an, with an incredibly parochial eye. I always <laughs> think um, Saracens in England are, are always over-refereed, according to me. Um, so I'm, I'm never really going to change from that. And, and uh, yeah, the, the referee's got a really, really tough um, job to do out there and I know there's a team before them and they do I mean he, he made a pretty good um go through of talking it through with the TMO and and they, they kind of agreed I mean they tend to anyway and TMO generally speaking goes with what the referee says and and that's fine but he he did a good job of explaining his thought process and he was consistent across the across both incidents and that's probably what you really want to see is is the consistency you wouldn't want to see one red and one yellow or one red and one dismissed as, as nothing at all sort of thing. So yeah, but fair dues, we, we, we can, we can overanalyze and we can say, well, I thought this was that. And I thought that was something else and live and in play. I think the referees probably got both of those right as by the letter of the law. Um, and yeah, we, we need to, to look at lowering that tackle height somehow, but it is, tricky when you've got someone like that running at you at, at full pill and 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 when they lower their height as well it's going to make it very very difficult to to not for there not to be collisions no and i think you've you've absolutely nailed it whether you meant to or not on the uh, on the consistency side of things i mean i've said on the show previously that all of these arguments for total consistency from all referees across all games is a complete it's it's completely impossible um, yeah. refereeing is subjective matches are random there's never going to be total consistency however consistency within a single game is possible and that is exactly what we had um, a two incidents very very similar they both had the same result um, had he given one red and one yellow um, you'd have wanted to hear a very good explanation from the referee of why that was the case and the way they actually explained it I think was was pretty reasonable um, like you know, like we've said, I think the attacking players were um, particularly aggressive in how they led with their head or shoulder. But I, I think, and I, I do agree that there should be a little bit of leniency for the attacker because they're the ones running at full tilt and they're bracing for contact. There is going to be an element of aggression in there always. Otherwise, we're not playing a contact sport. Um, it's on the defender first. Um, but yeah, the issue really was that. For both Marco and Jamie, there was no effort whatsoever to get any lower than their natural standing height. So they were putting themselves in the vulnerable position to have head contact. Um, if they'd have stooped, bent at the hip, pivoted, whatever, um, and the attack and the attacking player had then forearmed them in the face and knocked them over, then it's a penalty and a yellow card the other way. Um, but yes, um, probably between the two of us, what we're saying is that actually... They were right. The game kind of evened up and we deserve to lose. End of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that isn't actually the end of the story because unfortunately we do have to discuss what followed with, with Jamie George. Now, I'm very, very uncomfortable with what played out over the course of the, uh, the next 20 minutes. Um, you could see that from that collision, Jamie didn't know what his name was and what planet he was on. Um, he was on the floor for, for quite some time. Um, and I think you don't have to be a doctor to say that he's taken a proper clout on the head and needed to come off that pitch, which he did. Um, 
we obviously don't know the finer details of exactly what's happened, but we can only assume that he passed an HIA, came back on the pitch, um, and the independent doctor at half time said, no, he's got to come off. Mm. Um, that is what it seems to me. I'm sure actually it's going to be investigated because it, it wasn't a good look and we might find out that various other things happened. But I don't know, are, are you as concerned as me about how that played out, Barry? Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, um, I've got the I've got the uh, the HIA criteria in front of me on the screen. Nice, and <laughs> I know I'm I'm such a nose. <laughs> the 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 off field HIA assessment is not limited. Whether that blah blah blah. Right. So let's start with this. Players displaying obvious on pitch signs of concussion criteria one are immediately and permanently removed from play, and the completion of the off field assessment tool is not required. Therefore. If any of the medical staff, Saracens or the independent doctor had seen that, seen what happened live or on the replay, then it's fairly obvious that Jamie George should not have been allowed back onto that rugby pitch. Whether there was some um, confusion in that either no one saw it or by the time he got off the pitch or he got some medical attention because he was yellow carded at the same time, whether there was some um miss of it of it being seen there I mean, maybe he's just trotted off and said oh i was winded i mean that that's kind of the, the sort of the story that's come out but if either our doctor or the officials in the game or the independent doctor has seen what we saw on the television then he shouldn't have been allowed back on that pitch and, and that was the end of it and whether he's had he doesn't need to have an hia for that because there was enough for me there was enough evidence live on the on the telly that uh, that he should have been removed from that game. We don't know what's gone on. We we hope there's no repercussions. First of all, for Jamie, um, we hope he's all right, um, and we hope there's no repercussions for for the, for the medical staff involved because it might have been a genuine uh, oversight. It might have been something that, that that went wrong and they just didn't see it at the time. But it did look. It looked to us and it looked to everyone on social media as well to be a strange decision. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think obviously some idiots are going to say it was foul play on Saracen's part, trying to brush it under the carpet or whatever and keep our star hooker on the pitch. But I, that's total rubbish, to be honest. I mean, Mark McCall at the end of the game said it was it was absolutely right once he'd seen the footage himself as well, that he, that he was withdrawn at half time and he had absolutely no complaints about it. So I think it's exactly as you said, the independent... Doctor didn't see it live. Um, we don't know what pictures and what um, what they've got access to at the time. I, I I think it shows that actually the the independent doctor should almost have more, ac- more access to footage than a TMO does. Even mm. um, they they need to be scrutinising an awful lot of of the game. Um, it didn't help, unfortunately, that Jim Hamilton um, was on commentary and said, "Oh yeah, they they said he's winded." Um, obviously. People assume the worst about that, but he probably was winded, judging by the, by the tackle. But he was also concussed. Um, so, I yeah, like you, I'd, I'd like to think that it was um, genuine mistakes. Um, but it's very important that those mistakes are learnt from, um, because we have seen similar incidents um, in international rugby, even um, and in various other games where players are absolutely all over the place. And it's just not been picked up by um, by medical staff, um, and and it's very important that, that it is because otherwise we talk more about the t- this tackling at the ankles and and losing the game of rugby. Um, we have yeah, to we, be looking after players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the the player player welfare has to has to be at the, at the front center of, of all the decisions that that we make and and in this case it's hard to see how it's happened but we are going to have to assume that it is a genuine error somewhere um i don't want to criticize the players but i think also perhaps they've got to be a little bit more uh responsible themselves and and in a case like that i think it probably beholden on the on the the guy who's been concussed to say no actually i you know whether you saw it or not i don't think I'm, i don't think i'm fit to to continue um so they have to take some responsibility themselves but it seems strange that none of the medical staff saw that um 
they should have done. We did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just for anyone who um, who is maybe not a Saracens fan that's that's listening, that's that's crying blood and thinks that both Jamie George and Marco Riccioni should have a six week ban for yet another Saracens high tackle. Breaking news. Um, EPCR have released their list of sightings and neither of them are on it. Um, so that means that everyone agrees yellow card. End of story. Move on, and hopefully both of them go through the correct concussion protocols, and they're uh, they're back soon as well. Either that, or it's another conspiracy theory, and we've we've greased the the palms of the ECPR <laughs> along with the RFU, um, Premiership Rugby Limited, uh, Uncle Tom Cobbley, and the bloke who runs the McDonald's stall outside the ground. That's a hell of a lot of money we're having to chuck at it, isn't it? I wonder where we're finding that from. Anyway, oh, all, all those shell companies. <laughs> Well, there's another bit of um, of not great news, and we'll wait and see what happens with Elliot Daly because he did look like he uh, he came off the pitch with a little tweak, um, and I don't think he was having a particularly good game, but that might have been because he was half cropped. Yeah, he he he, he sort of needed treatment a couple of times before he he finally admitted defeat and came off. But uh, yeah, we 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 hope he's okay, and and uh, obviously we hope. I mean, I guess as a from the England performance squad or whatever they're calling it, um, he's he was going to get this week off anyway because um, his name's not Farrell. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to touch on that. All these people jumping up and down saying that Farrell should be banned for the Scotland game, and he's only um, it's all a, a fiddle. So he's allegedly available for the Bristol game. Have forgotten one thing: if he's banned for the Scotland game, he is available for the Bristol game by default. <laughs> Therefore, his ban expires before the Scotland game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Let, let's let's hope uh, that all the England players are, are okay and uh, and are up for the Calcutta Cup on the on the fourth because uh, I'll be there. Oh, lucky you! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I can't remortgage my uh, my flat, unfortunately, so I won't be there, Barry. But. <laughs> no, it's an it's an expensive hobby. I only I only go to one of the Six Nations games ever, <laughs> and I've not been since before COVID. So, no, I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. But yeah, I mean, let's let's a couple more bits from from the Edinburgh game. We're really going to uh, going to do it to death today, I think. But you know, <laughs> it was a it was a tough um, a tough outing. We've we've touched on on Ben Earl certainly for uh, for his try and and Irony Marley's little cameo. Was there anyone that sort of stood out as someone that was, you know, part of the reason why we stayed in that game, really. You know, we can't really talk about fantastic performances because there weren't any, but there were certainly some um, brave and um, very Saracens-esque backs-to-the-wall performances, weren't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if you want to take a collective uh, bunch of players out of that, then it has to be the forwards. Uh, I mean, with all the changes and, and with all the... The, the the chopping and changing and the, the the late injuries to to Mako and everything to perform like that was was superb and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on the front rows and our our friend Christian Judge as well what a what a performance he put in um, when he came on and and he was he was right up for it you could see that and and all the forwards were and I just think as as a pack we did very very well because despite the changing personnel as, as they rotated in out and with yellow cards and and hias and, and whatever else we pretty much won most of the scrums i think i think we did yeah um and i mean yeah that edinburgh pack is is essentially an international Scotland. pack yeah when <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got someone like wp nell who who looks like the you know the prototype of a prop from about 1950 and is about that old as well yeah um you know and for him to come on and not dominate in the scrum is is quite unusual, actually. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. The uh, the front row as a whole was was part of um, part of our brilliant performance. Um, forwards definitely. Um, I'm going to ignore Billy Vunapola because I got annoyed with some of the uh, the petulance from him. But I, you know, he's had a he's had a bad week, and I'm going to leave him alone. But <laughs> one other person I, I feel really sorry for because um, the line out that we won actually came to absolutely nothing. Um, and so it wouldn't have been on a highlight reel. But Alex Lazowski, um played a, a quite brilliant 50-22 from a box kick, essentially. 
Um, we'd sort of won the ball back in open field and he pretty much booted the ball back over his head almost from his own 22 into the Edinburgh 22. And that, for me, was was one of our brightest moments of the match. And of course, yeah, we completely lost the line out and it was, you know, forgotten history then, but just a little shout for uh, for that. But in general, I think it kind of looked a little bit disjointed in the backs, didn't it, Barry? Yeah, it did. I mean, we we didn't really, uh, apart from apart from our try, we didn't really throw any. The, the, the phrase is we didn't throw any of our own punches. We we spent most of the time on the back foot trying to keep them out rather than than actually threatening their line um, ourselves, and and that was disappointing. And that was not what we've done this season in other games. We've we've tried to go out and play our game. Um, it's it's great stopping the opposition, but it's it, it only takes you so far, and you do have to go and score some tries yourself. And it was a shame that that we never really got going uh, attacking wise, and just ended up with a a brilliant backs to the wall, you know, effort. But we were never going to win that game in a month of Sundays. Absolutely right. Um, but we lost it by a small enough amount to mean that we've got a home um, last sixteen match as it is in uh, this variant of the Champions Cup and we're playing against Ospreys who um, dial back the years I was at Vicarage Road when we uh, when we played them in the in the Heineken Cup last time and on a snowy day um, when Sarri the camel was um, I don't think he was actually driving the hovercraft that was spraying the snow away from the pitch but he was certainly in it so it was a very uh, very memorable day but um, probably quite important that we have a have a home match from from a financial sense as well as um, as a rugby sense, isn't it, Barry? Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that they did away with the two legged format for this round, um, which they had last year. Obviously, in, in both the the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup, um, that I thought that worked quite well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. But I suppose it is um, a slightly condensed season with the World Cup coming up and, and a few things had to give. I mean, there's a lot. A lot about this uh, this European tournament that I don't like. I'd like a return to to what it was previously. But what do you uh, mean, European teams? Well, yeah, that would uh, <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, I've I'm quite an environmentally uh, minded person, so these flights backwards and forwards to South Africa and Cornwall and wherever else we need to go over the course of the next few years, you know, there's got to be a better way of going about things, really. But hey, that's a discussion for another day. But if we get past Ospreys, the very next week, um, we have a hastily arranged fixture, potentially either La Rochelle away, which I'm sure will be a lovely trip for anyone that can uh, either buy the tickets in advance and just go there anyway, or uh, or pick them up last minute for several thousands of pounds at a go. Or we play Gloucester at home if they can get past La Rochelle, which is going to be pretty tasty in itself. So what would you rather, Barry? Uh, well, I, I, I suppose I'll be greedy and say let's have the home game against Gloucester. Um, but I mean, wh- whoever we play, it's 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 going to be uh, it's going to be tricky. We have to. Uh, all we can really do is think about the Ospreys game first, oh, and yeah. that's not going to be easy. They are on um, they are on quite a good run of form from from what I what I've seen, um, and they will be no pushovers. Whenever the game is, I just hope it's not another flipping midnight on a Saturday. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. No, it's um, who knows what's going to happen with that one. And yeah, like you say, Ospreys. It's I think it's nice to see a couple of those Welsh sides having a bit of resurgence, really, isn't it? So yeah, definitely good. But, yeah, definitely. It, it, it can't all be um, Ireland and France. <laughs> well, there we go. You'd hope, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, but that's you know that's a long term look ahead. That's a that's a good few months away now. Um, the Six Nations happens first, and plenty of league fixtures happening between that as well. And we've got Bristol next week, so it's a it's a men's and women's Bristol Bears double, one at the Stone X and one away. But, um, does that make it a pair of Bristols? Did it does, I say that? Out loud? It does make it a pair of Bristols. Yes. Sorry, yeah. they're in two two very different locations though, which is slightly strange. But absolutely <laughs> <laughs> different cups as well. <laughs> Oh dear. Yes. Anyway, um, you can cut that out. <laughs> uh, no, we're keeping that one in, Barry. That's that's going out there for everyone to hear, including me talking about cutting it out. Um, but yeah, minus our England contingent for uh, for Bristol, but hopefully with some of the other internationals that have been called. Although that's well, Tompkins, Maitland, Christie would be around. You'd expect Richie Oney is being sat down for a little while. So um, you know, we could be um, we could be nine or ten players short for uh, for Bristol, but they've got a few troubles of their own as well. Yeah, we 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 could be. Um, if if Billy had got picked, I think Jez would have been bringing his boots on Saturday for a, a game at number eight. You mean Jez can play number eight? Well, apparently, yeah. <laughs> He's, he he never mentions it, but 
No, it's, it's, it's going to be tricky for us. Um, we, we've got an awful lot of injuries, particularly, obviously, uh, injuries and, and call-ups, rather, I should say, uh, particularly in the forwards. It's going to be uh, whoever we've got, and it, it'll be interesting to see who's on the bench, if nothing else, because I, I, I can't actually think of all the <laughs> think of the re- relevant names of, off the top of my head um, who's going to get a game. So it will be... It'll be a challenge. Bristol of, of I mean, we we spoke off air. They don't quite seem to be the sum of their parts this season, um, which is odd because they've got some cracking players down there. Um, and if they if they do get it together, and they certainly did last season at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the uh, the game against us, if they do get it together, we could find ourselves with a with heck of a scrap on Saturday. Absolutely. Well, I think. Um... We can finish the show with me having a huge amount of egg on my face because in uh, in a lovely league predictor that I did, I predicted Bristol Bears to finish top of the pile. So uh, <laughs> very, very wrong. But as you say, they, they do have a lot of fantastic players and it's just not clicking for them. So I think they'll be quite dangerous. But yeah, we'll look forward to that at the weekend. But anyway... Thank you very much for your time, Barry. I think the two of us have uh, have managed to out talk Jez today, so uh, we've we've done our bit, haven't we? <laughs> we we we've done our best, and uh, I'm I'm sure Jez will be back firing on on all cylinders next week. Yeah, there's probably going to be a few weeks worth of ranting for him to get off his chest, isn't there? But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get that when we come to it, and we'll uh, we'll see you all again next week, everyone. Cheers, everyone. Bye bye. This is the Fezcast. Thank you.